Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome into yet another episode of the Dynasty Optimists. Uh, this is Brad here with my boy Andrew. Andrew, how's it going tonight? It's going great, man. It's going great. Really excited to be here tonight. We have some interesting topics to talk about, so let's jump right into it. Absolutely. So we had a super fun week six. Uh, we kind of ended week six on a honestly, I thought it was an awesome note. Uh, getting the big upset with the Titans beating the Bills. I mean, I, I say the Titans. I really should just say Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry beat the Bills. Derrick Henry is just ridiculous, man. I mean, this stretch he's been on over these past couple years, this year included because he's just going bananas once again. It, this has got to be one of the most dominant stretches in running back history, right? Am I, am I off base saying that? No, not at all. I mean, there are, there's some names that come to mind when you think of uh, a dominant, you know, three to four year uh, uh, stretch, but he's he's definitely up there and he's on pace for an insane amount of work. So, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. He's he's having a stretch like Ladanian Tomlinson dudes like that. It's it's crazy. I don't see it slowing down anytime soon either. Um, all right, let's get into some power rankings updates. So this week's kind of chalk. I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of movers. Uh, we, I think after this upcoming week is we're gonna, when we're going to start seeing some big movers. But let's go down the list real quick here. So at number one, we still got the Steamboats, two Sea Dogs, three Reno Royals, four Chicago Southsiders, five Richmond Raiders, six, this is the first mover, is we got the Jacksonville Juicers, seven, the Bombers dropped down one spot, eight the war machines those three right there the juicers the bombers and the war machines they're all kind of interchangeable to me at this point i mean we'll kind of see on a weekly basis who's looking better who's got hurt players who's got who on by and we'll decide it from there uh we got nine the aussies who are kind of creeping up a little bit so uh, we'll see on them 10 the air rats 11 prestige worldwide and still at the bottom unfortunately we got 12 curb stompers so i don't think there's a whole lot to talk about here this week on the power rankings um do you agree with me that those those three in the middle though are kind of interchangeable right now or do you see one of them uh am i off with that is one of them quite a bit better than the rest of them or with uh regarding the juicers the bombers and the war machines uh no no i think you're i think you're spot on there the the war machines i mean they still have uh, the better roster theoretically, and they are, you know, they do have more points per game. So I would still, you know, give the War Machines just a little bit of a, a bump, but they're pretty much in the same tier. And the uh, the Poverty Rats, and then Prestige Worldwide, and the you know Curb Poverty Rats. They're just <laughs> I kill that's just gonna time. be my new go-to, bro. <laughs> and uh, I, I think he likes it. I think he's gonna embrace it. Honestly, he likes that underdog mentality. So we'll we'll see where it goes, but. Yeah, I, Curb is just fat chilling down there at the bottom, and he's perfectly, you know, he's accepting of his uh, position on the rankings, and uh, you know, he's just fat chilling. So, yeah, I kind of appreciate it, honestly. All right, let's get into the first topic of the day here. So, we're gonna give you our favorite buy low as of right now. Uh, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll jump on in there. I was looking at some of these players, and there's some, you know, WR two, WR threes that you can buy for you know second or third round picks and that's all good and dandy you know but personally this player that i'm about to talk about right now deandre hopkins and michael thomas and i know people are going to say what i mean deandre hopkins a buy low right michael thomas a buy low and yeah i mean you're, you're, you're still gonna have to shell out a first plus to probably get either one uh, on your roster but if you just hear me out for a second uh michael thomas right Two years removed from that historic 2019 fantasy season. And obviously, the offense looks a little bit different now, right? Drew Brees uh, is no longer with the, the Saints. But with that 2019 season, you know, it was like a, it was 149 receptions, 1,725 yards, and nine touchdowns. Obviously, Hall of Fame, you know, quarterback uh, at the helm of the offense. And now, you know, here comes Roland and Jameis Winston. The pass attempts... Uh, since Jameis Winston has uh, taken the reins, has been low. Hasn't exceeded 30 attempts all season, uh, averaging in the low 20s. And I expect those numbers to increase uh, when Michael Thomas comes back to give that offense a true a true alpha wide receiver. And that's kind of why I put Michael Thomas in this category. There's not many instances where you can purchase a alpha wide receiver, you know, a true alpha. And I'm talking, you know, 20... 5% target share plus. There's not many chances to acquire those players. And the, the only other one was Antonio Brown, where you had that chance to get that elite production and a, 
extremely affordable price. So uh, personally, I would sign Michael Thomas. Of course, it depends on, you know, your roster and this is for contenders, you know, obviously not for rebuilding teams, but if you're a contender and you can, uh, you know, you can afford to just go out and buy Michael Thomas, I think you should. I think that would be a great buy low for really any team that's looking to push. I really like those. Um, honestly, especially for me, the DeAndre Hopkins one, because this is the first time he's really been a buy low. He's his entire career. He's he's been a uh, really high valued player. And I, granted, I still think he has high value, but with the lack of target share, it's uh, he's starting to drop in value plus plus his age. But he's still producing on a on a weekly basis. So I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction with my buy low this time. I'm going to stick with the same position. I'm going to stick with wide receiver, but I'm going to go for one of the cheaper guys. So this is another one that's obviously going to be for a contender. Um, and it's really, it's just till the end of this season. It's a really low buy low. And that is Emmanuel Sanders. So Emmanuel Sanders is currently the wide receiver 17 in our scoring format. Um, he's having a really good season. Uh, I mean, wide receiver 17 is not what we expected right now. Uh, Cold Beasley is not getting the targets that we expected him to get. Dawson Knox just went down with injury. Granted, it's not expected to be a long-term injury, probably just a couple weeks, but he is injured. And Emmanuel Sanders is getting five to eight targets a game. Those five to eight targets are pretty valuable targets as well. Right now in the league, he has the eighth most air yards in the league and the fourth highest ADOT, the fourth, fourth highest average depth of targets. So he's getting those deep targets, those valuable targets, and he's scoring a lot of touchdowns on it. He's got four touchdowns on the season. Right now, I mean, I think Emmanuel Sanders, it's not crazy to say you can get him for a third round pick, uh, maybe a third and a fourth. Uh Oh, you got to pay a third and a fourth for a guy who's currently the wide receiver 17. Uh, the Bills don't really have a run game either. I mean, they, Zach Moss is looking like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary is looking like Devin Singletary. They're both Jags to me. Uh, both look fine. Uh, not nothing special. The Bills are chucking the ball around a lot. I think the lowest uh, pass attempts they've had in a game so far this season is 26. Uh, they're, they're throwing it around. They've had a, a one or two 50 pass attempt games as well. Um, but really, I think he's a great guy to get on the cheap right now, especially this week in specific, considering that the Bills are on by. So people really aren't pe people aren't relying on him this week. Uh, I think you can get him for a third or a fourth round pick and have a solid flex option rest of season for a contender. Um, all right, let's move on to our sell highs. We're going to give it, give you guys one sell high as well. Go ahead and take on the sell high, Andrew. All right. So, uh, similar to the buy situation, the, the sell was also very difficult for me. A few players came to mind and personally it was tied between three players. It was Cordero Patterson, Mike Williams, and Debo Samuel. Your boy. I just had to throw him in there just for you. That's fine. So through week five, I ultimately went through uh, Mike Williams, by the way. So through week five, Williams is averaging about 23, you know, 0.22 fantasy points per game. I, I only have the stats for week uh, week five. I did not include week six. So just keep that in mind going forward. 25% uh, target share as well through week five. And personally, I categorize Mike Williams as a player that doesn't really belong at the top, right? At the, at the, you know, the higher echelon of target share and points per game. So uh, you're very similar to Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has a 35% target share and that was only through week five, which is insane by the way. Um, this is year five for Mike Williams and it's taken him this long to be, you know, unleashed in the offense and really produce at, uh, you know, what he thought what we thought, excuse me, and what the Chargers thought he was going to be when he was a first round pick. And, you know, personally, how I like to manage my teams, I usually don't like to put my eggs in the baskets of, you know, players that don't have consistent production. Uh, you know, year five breakouts usually aren't the players that I'm looking to acquire, especially with the age gap on its way. You know, when he's like, what, 27 or 28? I cannot remember which one, but all I know is that he is inching towards that, you know, that age gap. Uh, and that cliff that people always you know talk about where you could have players that uh, personally are much more consistent and have more seasons of elite production for a very similar price you could easily flip him for elite producers or at least maybe not flip him but you could you could easily get the the trade conversations going with players such as like Stephon Diggs 
uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who I just talked about, uh, Michael Thomas, even you might even be able to get Michael Thomas plus for Mike Williams. I mean, depending on, you know, the manager and, you know, the situation and all of that, uh, or even Keenan Allen plus. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Keenan Allen manager might be a little wary, especially since he just had that really low scoring game last week. But I mean, hell, it doesn't hurt to try personally. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really scared of that Devontae Parker type breakout, even though it, the situation was a little bit different where Devontae Parker really didn't have any talent around him. Right. Where, where uh, you know, Mike Williams did, obviously, but his rest of the season doesn't really interest me too much. And I'm not I'm not super excited for him rest of the season. And especially going forward, I see him much more like a one year rental. And uh, I see some of those other players like Diggs, D-Hop, or MT, or even Keenan Allen as more as safer options that you could even get plus, you know, added on. So, yeah, I like I like that one a lot. Uh, honestly, when you were talking about him, Devonte Parker was the name that kept coming to mind myself. Uh, so I like that you brought him up at the end right there. And uh, just to add uh, add on to your point further, he is 27. Uh, he just turned 27 years old. So let's go into my cell. My guy is a dude just like yours who has been producing this season. Uh, it's Marquise Brown. Uh, Marquise Brown is currently the wide receiver seven in our scoring format. Um, what I don't like about Marquise Brown going forward, first thing is Rashad Bateman. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rashad Bateman. I know you're a big fan of Rashad Bateman. His first week back from injury, they tried to get him involved in the offense instantaneously. Granted, it was a lot of short routes and a lot of short concepts, but he had six targets in his first game in. Um, I see Rashad Bateman as more of an alpha type wide receiver than I do Marquise Brown. Uh, not to mention that the Ravens also have Mark Andrews, who eats up just a ton of targets every single week. And I know that Lamar Jackson this season has increased his passing attack uh, tenfold. He's been awesome. He hasn't just been a one dimensional player. He's been a great thrower of the football, but there's only so many targets that can go around. Uh, Marquise Brown has also been pretty highly dependent upon touchdowns. He doesn't get a whole lot of receptions per week, but he's been he grabs a lot of touchdowns. Uh, he has, I think he has five so far on the season. His first two years, he did have eight, so he has been pretty consistent with the touchdown production. But I don't expect that to be a really sticky stat that you can rely on. It's uh, You want a guy who's going to get a lot of targets, who's going to get a lot of cat, uh, receiving yards, excuse me. Um, so that way, he has a consistent weeks. Uh, I'm not a big fan of building my team around guys who have a blow-up week and then have a dud week. And that's just kind of how I see Marquise Brown going forward. Uh, not to mention that next season, this going past just this season, they're going to have J.K. Dobbins back, and they're actually going to have a run game. Because as of right now, Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell are just not it. Uh, I think that they're, next season they're going to move back to a little bit more ground and pound. Not Granted, they probably won't be as much as they were in the years past with how Lamar Jackson has been playing, but I don't expect the target volume, or the uh, passing volume, excuse me, to be up there enough to support three high-end receivers uh, when you include Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman in there. So I think right now at this very second, Marquise Brown's value has peaked, and I think it's it's the time to capitalize. Uh, agree? Disagree? Oh, I agree 100%. Uh, I really like Marquise Brown, honestly. He's looked he's looked tremendous out there. But we can't ignore the fact that they drafted Rashad Bateman in the first, and they drafted him to fill a need. And that need is to be a possession uh, wide receiver for Lamar Jackson. So I could easily see Rashad Bateman's target share just increasing and increasing. And once they start using him in the red zone and stuff like that, Marquise Brown's still going to have his place. But he's going to be more of that you know deep ball specialist, in my opinion. And Rashad Bateman's going to work the middle of the field with uh, Mark Andrews. And Mark Andrews is going to continue to be just a stud. So, and you know, the ground game, like you said, I, I do like that you mentioned that with J.K. Dobbins and stuff like that. And shoot, I mean, if the Ravens actually start incorporating the running backs in the passing game, I mean, that's really going to shake things up, bro. So that could really be detrimental to Marquise Brown, his game, but we'll see. Yeah, that's, I agree. And like I said, I just, I, I don't think Marquise Brown is a bad option going forward. I just think his value has peaked. All right, let's move into some NFL news. So let's start with a couple of teams who started off super hot. We were all talking about them uh, for a couple different reasons, and now they're not so hot. The Broncos and the Panthers. So both these teams started 3-0. and The Panthers were kind of the talk of the town with their defense just going insane. Uh, the Broncos, we all knew, had some easy, easy matchups in the first three weeks, but 
both teams are now three and three. They started off winning three straight. They have now each lost three straight. Is this worrying to you? Let's start with like let's start with the Panthers here. Are you worried about any Panthers uh, assets rest of season or going forward past the rest of the season, or do you think this is just a little bad stretch here? Mm, I think that if there's any concern there, it's for the pass catchers just a little bit, and that even includes DJ Moore. Uh, but I think that more extends to Robbie Anderson and you know, Terrace Marshall and uh, whoever that tight end that they have that I don't know the name of. Uh, it doesn't matter. Chances are you're not starting that fool anyway. It's it's interesting because Sam Darnold looked red hot, you know, those first three weeks. And since then, Sam Darnold has looked, I mean, atrocious. I don't, <laughs> that's the only word that I have to describe it. Yep. Uh, I mean, we all know what he was with the Jets and we all know what Adam Gase kind of stands for. And whenever, excuse me, a player decides to you know, leave Adam Gase. We're like, we're all super excited. Like, yeah, go by, go by. Because we have a, you know, we have a history of players that are leaving the Gase system and going to a different situation and succeeding. So I still have faith in Sam Darnold, but I think that Matt, you know, with Matt Rule coming out and verbally expressing the intent of becoming more dedicated to the run, I just think that means more opportunity for the running backs. And to me, it just screams they're trying to reel in, you know, uh, Sam Darnold just a little bit. You know, hey, maybe, maybe, you know, don't put the ball in Sam Darnold's hands as often. You know, maybe try and do more swing passes to like DJ Moore or some kind of trick plays and then incorporate Chuba Hubbard and, and obviously CMC when he comes back. But when CMC even comes back, of course, assuming he does come back, which we are, we are assuming that at this point, but anything can happen. I think that Chuba is Hubbard is going to be a bigger part of the offense to try and, you know, lessen the the load for CMC. But that doesn't mean, honestly, that doesn't mean anything for CMC uh, personally. So t- CMC when on the field is still the RB one just because of uh, the cheat code that he is and the receiving and the rushing upside. And, you know, just everything that he does is just fantasy gold. So I would still take CMC even with, Chuba Hubbard incorporated it into the offense more over pretty much every running back right now. Uh, you know, there could be arguments for Swift. There could be arguments for a few others like Derrick Henry and stuff like that. But um, the, the receiving game is just such a big part of CMC's, uh, you know, cheat code game that, you know, you have to incorporate that. So DJ Moore overall, not super worried. He could see a little less volume, but he still should be the go-to guy. Robbie Anderson though, that, I think that's the one you're worried about the most. Robbie Anderson has been completely inefficient uh, in the air, and he he's just not catching passes, bro. He's just dropping them like crazy. And, of course, there's some inaccuracy on Darnold's part, but, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see how Robbie Anderson a good option going forward. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I still love DJ Moore going forward. I still love CMC going forward, obviously. Chuba Hubbard, you have to – you have to roster because CMC has been flat out injured recently and uh, Chuba Hubbard's played pretty well this year. Um, Darnold, I don't, I haven't, I haven't decided. I can't decide, man. He, it's literally, he's had a 50, 50 split of amazing and terrible. You, you just don't really know right now. He could fall off a cliff or he could just skyrocket. And really he for sure has one more year in Carolina with the fifth year option. Cause they did uh, accept that fifth year option prior to, the trade or like during the trade. So they do have one more year with Sam Darnold for sure. But the pass catchers outside of DJ Moore, I don't know if I want them as with Matt rule saying he wants to run the ball more and just really the inefficiencies of all of them. The Terrace Marshall looks decent. He hasn't really done much. Robbie Anderson's looked bad this season flat out. And I mean, Tommy tremble, the guy you were uh, started to reference about the tight end. I like him as a dart throw. I don't, see, I don't see him doing anything this season, possibly even next season. He had, he had some good measurables, but uh, he's a wait and see kind of guy. He's just a dart throw. So uh, I'm with you. I like DJ Moore. I like CMC outside of that. It's kind of a, eh, we'll wait and see. Uh, they do play the Giants this week, though, so it could be a nice get-right game for them as the Giants just got decimated by the Rams last week. So they're not they're not looking too hot. Hopefully the hopefully the Panthers can get right versus them. Let's move on to the Broncos. Uh, I'll start with my quick uh, thoughts on the Broncos. Going forward, I'm not worried. Rest of season, I don't love them. Uh, let me explain. So rest of season, the reason I don't love them is Jerry Judy's going to be coming back soon, and that's going to 
make the target volume get spread out just a little too much for my likings. Uh, Jerry Judy's going to get his. He's a stud player. Cortland Sutton's a stud player. He's going to get his. Tim Patrick's been playing awesome the past two years. He's going to get his. Noah Fant's been... I, I think he has, like, either the same amount or or right around the same amount of catches as uh, Cortland Sutton has right now. They're all going to be involved in this offense. And either it's going to be one of them is going to separate themselves and we just don't really know who, and he's going to explode for the rest of the season, or they're all just going to be kind of middle tier dudes. And I just am not exactly ready for that. Just with due to Teddy Bridgewater being their quarterback and really at running back, it feels the same exact same way right now. Melvin Gordon is looks good. Javante Williams looks awesome too. I'm, you and I know you and I are two of the biggest Javante Williams fans on this planet, and we would both love for him to be the bell cow. But when Melvin Gordon looks the way he does, I don't think the Broncos have any reason to not use him. He's on the last year of his deal, and they're just going to ride him into the sunset. Uh, going forward, though, I do still love their assets. I think they will upgrade quarterback at some point, whether that be the Aaron Rodgers scenario that everybody wants to happen or whether that be another option. Who really knows at this point? But outside of this year, not just rest of season, I do like Judy. I do like Sutton. I do like fans. And Javante Williams is heart eyes emoji. I love Javante Williams. What do you think about the Broncos rest of season and going forward, Andrew? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm honestly kind of the, in agreement with you. I that pie just starts to get a little bit too small for some of these players. I, mm, you know, the thing is with Noah Fant is the tight end landscape is a fucking disaster, and it's such a you know a desert. Uh, there, there's really not many options out there. So no fan, you know, managers are still going to trot out. No fan unless they have, you know, Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller or TJ Hawkinson, or, you know, some of those other really high volume tight ends. No fan still going to get uh, a decent amount of volume, at least serviceable enough where you can start. You know, unfortunately he is limping every single fucking play. And I don't know what that's all about, but the man just can't seem to get his foot right, which I feel bad for, but you know, we'll see. Hopefully he, uh, can fix that issue going forward. But I love Cortland Sutton. I think he's just a bona fide stud. He's a total alpha. And if, you know, he was honestly in contention for a buy low for me. I love Cortland Sutton. If you can pick up Cortland Sutton from a manager that is disgruntled or, you know, scared of Jerry Judy, man, snatch him up for a late first in a heartbeat or even two seconds to heck with it or, you know, whatever. Just pick him up. Trust me, you, you know, he's he's a stud uh especially with the quarterback situation what if he what if Tua finds himself in in denver and i know that sounds pretty ridiculous right that the the dolphins just you know drafted Tua, and they're constantly saying that we believe in Tua. but personally i think that they do want deshaun watson and Tua could be on the move and i think it'd be a great destination uh in denver there's so many weapons there um, I think it's a really solid team, two really good running backs. Like you mentioned, we want Javante Williams to be unleashed, but this season's not going to be it as long as Gordon stays healthy because Gordon's look great, man. And it's not even a situation where <clears throat> the Broncos are, you know, running the ball with an extremely inefficient runner that looks like trash. No, Gordon looks really good. So you can't even be mad that, you know, they're doing that 50, 50 split. So rest of the season dynasty, not super worried, but uh, I'm, I'm more worried about the WR2 and WR3 situation in Denver with Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler next season and Jerry Judy, because personally, Cortland Sutton is the alpha in that offense. So I'm not alphas eat first. That's kind of, you know, my motto. So I think the Cortland Sutton is going to be fine. But the other guys I'm a little bit worried about, you know, so. Yeah, we see it pretty similarly. Uh, I'm, I think you're a little higher on Sutton than I am. Uh, I have him right around the same range as Judy, but I think they both could be valuable depending upon the quarterback uh, situation going forward. All right, let's move on to our next topic. This one we don't have to spend too much time on because uh, everybody knows this, but the Detroit Lions suck. They're bad at football. They're just not good. They're the only winless team left, and it's gotten to the point now where Dan Campbell's just sitting out there calling out Jared Goff in post-game press conferences. Uh, I In this press conference, he's, he said, and I quote, I feel like he needs to step up more than he has. He's just flat out calling out Jared Goff at this point, telling telling reporters he's not doing enough. And uh, it's it's kind of rough when you start seeing your head coach blaming your quarterback for your, your offense offensive inefficiencies. Uh, but the Lions suck all the way around. There's not a whole lot of assets on their team that are super desirable. Granted, they do have two extremely high-end assets that 
I think are very valuable uh, in DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. I obviously everyone would agree with that. But are there any other assets on that team that you want or kind of want or let, any other assets on the Lions that you see as okay? Uh, yeah, there's actually one asset, which is Amon Ross St. Brown. But, I mean, other than trying to acquire him for a late second or maybe like a mid-second, no. No, there's, there's not one single player that I want. Jared Goff, absolutely not. I, I mean, Jared Goff, probably going to be on the Lions next season if they bring in another quarterback because that quarterback's not going to be ready to play. But I mean, uh, no, I'm, I'm trying to ship off Jared Goff. I'm trying to ship off Almond Ross St. Brown for a first. If I can, I doubt anyone's paying it, but you know, whatever, but Swift and Hawkinson, I mean, those two are just gold mines at their respective position, but yeah, it doesn't look good. Dan, Dan Campbell seems like a really kind of like a tough ass kind of dude, like in your face kind of dude. Doesn't seem like he sugarcoat shit. And I don't think he should because Jared Goff has looked like shit. But, yeah, it's just all around just a dumpster fire in Detroit. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like Amon Ross St. Brown. Don't love him. He, he's eating up targets a little bit right now just because they don't have anyone else to throw to. But I'm not paying anything more than, like, a, a second-round pick for him. Uh, so I'm right where you're at. Um, all right, let's move on to some league news, move out of the NFL news. So... Here's a first kind of interesting one that uh, I noticed as of last week. Prestige Worldwide won last week. Um, and he, it, Prestige Worldwide has been at the bottom of the power rankings for since the beginning of the season. They've been at 11 for I don't even know how many weeks at this point. But what's crazy about Prestige Worldwide is in their division, they actually could potentially tie for division leader this week. Granted, the Baltimore Bombers would have the tiebreaker on them with points for or points scored. Um, but they could potentially like, be in position for a playoff spot. As crazy as that sounds just due to the fact that the war machines, we don't need to beat a dead horse here. They're not having a great season and uh, the bombers may not win this week. Uh, this week, the bombers play you let's, I'm not trying to go too far into the matchups, but the, the bombers probably likely aren't going to beat the, uh, or uh, excuse me, uh, or no, the the Bombers do play you, yes. Um, the Prestige Worldwide is the one that plays the Southsiders, and the Southsiders are kind of getting beat by injuries a little bit. So it's possible for Prestige Worldwide to actually sneak in a, a win this week. But one thing I wanted to bring up with Prestige Worldwide, just going into their team a little bit, is Carson Wentz. He's kind of looked okay this season. And I know you haven't been a Carson Wentz fan ever since you shipped him off for just a ginormous pot of gold uh like we talked about in our interview with uh our league winner seb but he looks he looks all right carson wentz is playing better and prestige is loaded with second and third round picks going into next year uh, going into 2022 and 2023 what do you what do you think about prestige worldwide's team uh going forward this season and then do they actually have a shot to make the playoffs this year as crazy as that sounds I like some of the assets on Prestige Worldwide's team. Uh, Carson Wentz, like you said, has been playing personally really e extremely efficiently and only has one interception on the season, which is pretty bonkers to me that, you know, I think I think the man threw 15 in Philly in 2020. So yeah. that's really impressive to me. And I think he's played really good. I, I really like him. As long as he can stay healthy, I think that it's a good fit for Indy. I'm not sure, you know, what the long-term uh, implications are going to be and how they view him as if, you know, if he's the franchise quarterback or if they want to bring in someone else or whatever the situation, but I think it's a solid pick. Um, with the other players though, you know, like I've mentioned before, he's kind of the team of twos and threes. There's a lot of twos and threes on his team and that's not, I mean, I'm without hunt now. I mean, well, hunt would have been injured either way, but uh, you know, without hunt, no, I don't see this team making the playoffs. I still think, Ah, uh, man, every single week I talk shit about uh, Dave, it seems like, uh, or the War Machines. But this week, I think I'm going to uh, flip the script a little bit. I think the War Machines are going to make a comeback slowly but surely. And the the War Machines look like they're in a prime situation to win this week against the Sea uh, Dogs, even though the Sea Dogs just acquired two quarterbacks, uh, you know, granted a, both backups, but, you know, hey. Uh, fancy points are fancy points, especially when both of his starting quarterbacks share the same bye week. So if the War Machines win this week and Prestige Worldwide, look, I mean, Southsiders are definitely riddled with injuries, but, you know, 
some of those players, their projections, man, there's some rough projections out there. Like they're projecting some of these players to personally do a lot better than I think they're capable of. So yeah, there's some blow up weeks here. Like I think Kenyon Drake had like 20 points, man, last week or something, something bonkers. But um, I don't expect him to repeat unless Josh, Josh Jacobs is injured and I don't know about it. But Philly's uh, defense has been pretty decent. So yeah. overall, I think that the War Machines are still up on the up and coming in that division. But the Baltimore Bombers, you know, just with the points for and the points per game, I still think that if you know the season runs its course and the War Machines don't take the first place uh, spot in that division, I still think the Bombers are going. So. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And the War Machines had a rough start to the season in the sense of scheduling, too. They played a lot of tough matchups, so they should have some easier matchups going forward. And like you said, slowly but surely, they I also agree that they will make their way to the top of that division and make the playoffs, which is kind of scary for the rest of us because I, their team still has the potential to be very good. All right, so let's let's segue into this this week's bye weeks because you you mentioned it in when you were talking about Prestige Worldwide and his chances to make the playoffs, but the bye weeks are rough this week. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to go over a couple of these teams and what this might mean to them uh, with their bye weeks. So I'm gonna bring up I'm gonna bring up a couple teams here and I'm just gonna ask you just your thoughts on whether or not they still have a chance this week despite their bye weeks and we'll we'll go into this a little further in the matchups just just your quick thoughts on them so we'll start with the Denver Sea Dogs because we all know about it we've we've seen it all week uh it's rough for them so the Sea Dogs this week they have lost on bye week Josh Allen James Robinson Dalvin Cook Adam Thielen Cole Beasley and Dak Prescott and they do not have George Kittle and Nick Chubb due to injury. Oh, can the Sea Dogs overcome this? Is this doable? Do you uh, do you think their little additions that they made here and there? Do you think those are going to help them a ton, or what do you think about the Sea Dogs bye weeks this week? You know, personally, I think that's kind of the dream situation is to have all your players on one on bye week one week and lose the week and be like, okay, you know what? It's one week. It's not the end of the world. I'm still a lock for the playoffs as long as my whole, my whole entire team doesn't get injured. And, you know, going forward, all these other matchups that you have, th- those opposing teams are going to have bye weeks. And you're going to be like, oh, it's all good. You know, most of my star players already had their bye weeks. So you're going to be locked and loaded with your star players. Honestly, I think it's good for him. If he loses this week, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think he'll be the only team in that division that loses, though. Uh, unless the Southsiders get upset by Prestige Worldwide, because unfortunately for unfortunate for the, excuse me the Poverty Rats, the Poverty Rats have no business beating the Reno Royals. So, you know that could be a little frustrating for him just just to see that on paper. But even if he's five and two, bro, and you guys are six and one, it's no big deal. He's still making the playoffs, so it really doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's a really, really good point, because going forward, when the rest of us have those bye weeks, he's going to be set. He's not going to have many left. Uh, I mean, really left on his roster. He's got like Joe Mixon, DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Tyree Kill that'll be on bye week at some point that'll hurt him. And other than those guys, every single one of his regular starters will be back. So I like that point you made. And you kind of mentioned already the Southsiders. They are going to be losing Ezekiel Elliott and Austin Eckler and Stephon Diggs this week. But you obviously don't necessarily think they're going to lose. And I tend to agree. Uh, The Baltimore Bombers this week lose Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, and then Dawson Knox. But Dawson Knox is both to injury as well as bye week. Uh, But those are big losses for the Bombers as they... They don't have any other running backs, and I, we'll get to that a little bit more in the matchups here, so we'll we'll hold off on that one. Um, this one's a kind of an interesting one for me, though. The Aussies. The Aussies have been playing a little bit better lately. They had a really good week last week. They lose Zach Moss, who's been a really high snap share recently. Uh, they, they lose De- Devin Singletary, his counterpart as well, and Kirk Cousins. The reason that's so interesting to me is... Kirk Cousins being on bye week could really hurt them as Jimmy G looks like he should play, but we don't know for sure. And if Jimmy does not play, they just won't have a starting quarterback. And that if they don't have any starting quarterback at all, that really just ends their week for them. That's there's no coming back from that. So that that one does interest me a little bit. But let's segue into the matchups now here. So we'll start off with the Cleveland Steamboats versus the Baltimore Bombers. Like you said, 
the Bombers aren't going to win this one. <laughs> Sorry, man. This is just how it's going to be. Uh, the Steamboats, they they still have a ton of players. Very few are on by. Lots of star potential. The Bombers, they are starting. Uh, who is that? Royce Freeman and Reichwell Armstead this week at running back. <laughs> they literally uh, have zero points out of their running back position. Like, there is no shot either of those two score points, in my opinion. Unless, I don't even know. Royce Freeman, is he on the Panthers now? Is that who he's playing for? Yeah, I mean, Matt Rule did say they want to dedicate more to the run, so maybe uh, Royce Freeman breaks off, you know, a few 100-yard, you know, <laughs> touches, but no, no, they're probably going to have Goosters, I mean, both of them. So. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah, there's. I'm going to say there's pretty much no chance for the Bombers this week, unfortunately. Some of the guys we're interested in. So this week for the Bombers, I'm interested in seeing a Daniel Jones bounce back. He's actually had a really good season outside of this past week. I want to see if he can get better. I want to see if he can right the ship because uh, he's right now the Giants' future at quarterback, I say with a question mark, because I you never really know with Dave Gettleman, but he's earlier on. He seemed as if he was going to be the future as at their quarterback position as next year's class doesn't look amazing. And they seem pretty committed as they could have drafted guys in the previous years, as well as he was playing. All right. So I want to see a bounce back game for Daniel Jones and then Michael Pittman. I want to see another good performance out of him too. Uh, T Y Hilton might not play this week. Paris Campbell's out for the season. Michael Pittman had been good. He's been eating up targets without T Y Hilton. T Y Hilton had a good week last week against Houston. Uh, Paris, or excuse me, Michael Pittman didn't have as many targets as he had had in the previous games. So I want to see another big game for him and looking from your team. We talked about him earlier, Rashad Bateman. I want to take a look at his target volume. He had six last week. I want to see if that goes up, stays the same. And I also want to see where those targets are at on the field. Last week was a lot of short catches. He was just kind of getting used in the intermediate and short game. I want to see if he, they try to use him deep at all or if they try to target him more often in the intermediate, whether that be like between 10 and 15 yards. Uh, and then the one last guy, we've talked about him almost every single week, but it, are we going to finally get the Brandon Ayuk game? Is he going to exist this week? I, they still don't have Kittle. Debo Samuel's been eating up targets all season. But, I mean, is this the game? Is this the week? I want to see what if Brandon Ayuk can do anything. Uh, any thoughts on the, the matchup between you and the Bombers? You mentioned a few players that I really like. I do like Pittman a lot. And, you know, Daniel Jones. I really like Daniel Jones personally. I think he was he was playing really well, really good football for the first four weeks. Unfortunately, the last two weeks have been um, pretty meh. He got injured in the Dallas game, right? Where the man could like barely walk. I mean, that was really scary, honestly, watching him kind of lose balance after that hit. And that man needs to slide. That man needs to take Aaron Rodgers' advice, bro, and slide. Don't try and go for the extra yards, man. You know, don't try and just challenge uh, linebackers and stuff like that for extra yardage. It's just not worth it. It's just not. Protect your body. But... I think that he is the future personally, and he was playing really well. So I'm looking for him to have a bounce back week. But Devonta Smith as well. I'm really looking for Devonta Smith to have a bounce back game. I really love Devonta Smith. They're in. They're actually playing in Las Vegas, a game that you will actually be at with yes, the Poverty Rats. And you guys will be having a good fucking time drinking beer. But, you know, fly Eagles fly, baby. I I'm hoping for an Eagles <laughs> win. You know what I'm saying? I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro, but uh, Davis, I, I know you know what's up. <clears throat> uh, you know, with Devonta Smith, I really think that they need to go into that game with the intention of eight to ten footballs to Devonta Smith every single game. He needs to be targeted just like Jalen Waddle was targeted last week. Uh, you know, in Miami with the I think they had I think he was targeted like eleven times or maybe even thirteen times. He needs to be involved in the game plan. He is uh, just a star. And I love watching him play. I love his game. And he's open often, bro. He is He's ready to go. He's ready to move the sticks. But unfortunately, Jalen Hurts just isn't throwing him throwing the football his way. You know, and the run game looks atrocious. And they're not running the football at all. And hopefully they can put on a better performance, uh, you know, in Las Vegas. And they didn't, you know, playing uh, Tampa Bay at home. Yeah. But some of the players that, you know, I'm looking forward to on my team, really just Bateman, man. I mean, I really want to see Bateman get worked into the offense a little bit more and see what Lamar Jackson can do with him. I think he's a very talented wide receiver, and I'm super, super excited for him. Real quick on the Devonta Smith thing, just to put in 
a little two cents there. Uh, sure. I, I love Devonta Smith as well. I He's a stud. He looks like he's literally open on every single play. And this is the week that I really want to see him break out. Uh, the Raiders actually surprisingly have a good defense this year as it's been legitimately terrible for like 20 plus years. Um, but they have currently the number one PFF's number one graded cor- uh, outside corner in Casey Hayward. And, and Devonta Smith plays a lot in the slot as well besides just the outside. And the Raiders actually have the number one graded uh, or PFF's number one graded rookie corner playing in the slot as well in Nate Hobbs. So it'll be kind of interesting to see him matched up against two very good corners. So I want to see how he does as well. It's If he can do it this game, I, I will be thoroughly impressed. All right, let's move on to the matchup between myself and the Air Rats. This is another one that doesn't appear that it's going to be close. Uh, sorry, Davis, but it's just how it goes sometimes, and I know you're fine with it. But the Air Rats still have a lot of assets on their team that are actually kind of juicy for contenders. They they have Daryl Williams right now, who's filling in for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and he was great last week. He actually scored more than Clyde Edwards-Alaire has scored in a while. Um Aaron Jones is still out there, and Alvin Kamara is obviously still out there. Uh, neither him or I are sec- starting a second QB in Superflex. I have the option to. I'm not going to do it with Davis Mills playing the Cardinals, but that's not going to hinder either of us too much as uh, neither of us are playing a second QB. So it's not that's not going to be the deal breaker for him nor myself. Um, it's It just doesn't appear that it's going to be a particularly close game. What I'm kind of looking for in this one is just two big things. Uh, one, I want to see Justin Fields versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bears aren't going to be able to run the football versus the Buccaneers as their run defense is one of the best in history, in my opinion. Uh, Justin Fields is going to be forced to throw the football around. I want to see if he can handle it. He's looked better in these uh, these past weeks. He hasn't been great for fantasy as he hasn't really gotten the volume, but he's making good decisions. And honestly, he's making really great down the field throws. He He's obviously always had the arm, arm talent to do it. He just really hasn't been unleashed yet. So I want to see what he can do versus the Buccaneers and their uh, really beaten up secondary. And then for my team, I want to see A.J. Brown dominate. Uh, they're playing the Chiefs this week. The Chiefs' defense is not great. Their offense is going to put up points on the Titans. A.J. Brown had a very solid game against the Bills, but I want to see his big blow-up game to finally happen this season. He's had two solid games so far this year. He's been hurt the rest of the way. I want to see the breakout. I'm ready for it. I want to see it. Thoughts on the game between myself and the Air Rats? Well, hmm. Yeah, I have a few thoughts, actually. So looking at the Poverty Rats and their roster, I'm sorry, Dave. You know, I can't get over Davis, you're going to be the rats. Poverty Rats <laughs> going forward. That's going to be your name on this pod is just the Poverty Rats, at least for me. Maybe not for, uh, you know, Brad over here. He has a, you know, he's a real life friend. He probably has more respect. He doesn't want to piss you off or anything like that. But me, you know, Poverty Rats all the way. So Justin Fields is going to have to sling it. This is going to be a game to watch. I really want to see Justin Fields um, out there trying to be, you know, kind of that smooth operator of the football that he, we know he can be. We know that he can toss the ball around. He's he's an accurate deep ball. He's a good passer. Uh, you know, he, he might actually have to be kind of running a lot. He might be running for his life just a little bit, you know, because of the, the dominance that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers possess on the defensive line. But... One more thing on Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Unfortunately, I don't think this is Brandon Ayuk's week. Um, as much as I want it to be, as much as I want to, you know, kind of get on this podcast and be like, all right, Brandon Ayuk, this is the resurgence. This is the week we've been waiting for. With Jimmy Garoppolo banged up, potentially not able to go. Trey Lance not able to go either. <laughs> like you said, and they could be <laughs> without a quarterback. And I don't think that's good news for Brandon Ayuk. I just think that's... Unfortunately, good news for, for Debo Samuel. He's still just going to get plenty of volume. They seem to trust him. The management and the, even the ownership, or I, mean, I think the GM, excuse me, of the San Francisco 49ers, they've come, they've come out and been like, we're just not super impressed with Brennan Ayuk, flat out. They said that they're just not impressed in how he's developing. And, you know, I don't know what that means. I'm not sure if he's lazy in the locker room or he's lazy at practice or he's just not not doing things correctly, or at least how they think that he should do things because last, you know, last season, his rookie year was sensational and you don't put up those numbers unless you're a good player. I don't care if Kittle's out and Debo's out. You just, you do not perform at that at the NFL level, unless you're a talented player. So, you know, I don't think that's, I think that's enough for Brandon Ayuk, but you know, unfortunately you're going to win this matchup and uh, the rats are going to, you know, they're just going to go home with an L. Yeah, tend to agree, tend to agree. 
All right, we're going to move into a f kind of an interesting one here. I, I really like this matchup. We're moving into the Jacksonville Juicers versus the Columbus Curb Stompers. This, to me, is the first possible week of Curb Stompers potentially getting their first win. It's possible this week. So right now, the matchup doesn't look overly close if you look at Sleeper's projections. Uh, with the Jacksonville Juicers projected at 123 and the Curb Stompers projected at 96. But... That's factoring in the Juicers' projections with still having Antonio Gibson, Odell Beckham Jr., and Julio Jones having projected points this week. Neither of those three guys have practiced yet this week. Uh, Odell playing tomorrow night uh, as we're recording this Wednesday. I don't foresee Odell suiting up for this one against the Broncos. Gibson's looking rough when he came out of the he came out of the game twice last week. I'm not sure he'll play. And then Julio's dealing with his hamstring injury that he dealt with earlier this season and his whole career. It seems like I don't really have faith for any of those three guys to be for sure things and actually play in those games. So I foresee this game being a little bit closer than it currently is projected. Uh, but real quick, just to touch on two quick guys on curb stompers teams that I'm really interested to see this week. We got Elijah Mitchell versus the Colts. The Colts have a good run defense. The uh, 49ers have been uh, good at running the football still this year. Not as good as years past, but Elijah Mitchell appears to be the guy. Uh, they Trey Sermon got his time. He didn't produce. Elijah Mitchell's back from his injury, and he's he got the touches last week uh, or the week prior, but he yeah, he didn't do a whole lot with them. They didn't have a whole lot of touches to go around in that game, unfortunately. But I want to see if he can do something. And then Elijah Moore. He needs more targets. He isn't getting the targets. He isn't getting the receptions. It's kind of upsetting to see. He had three targets for zero receptions in his last active week. So he was a stud coming in into the NFL out of college, and he just really hasn't gotten his opportunity. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Do you think the Juicers might take the L to the uh, completely defeated Curb Stompers? Honestly, I do, and I hate admitting it, but this, man, that division is so weird. Okay, let's just say the Juicers lose this week, and the um, the other team in their division, which is the Denver Aussies, you know, let's just say they lose because their matchup isn't extremely favorable against the Richmond Raiders, which looks like we're going to talk about them next. The you know the Curb Stompers win, so they end up going uh, up to one and six. But the Juicers lose, so that means they're four and three. And if the Aussies also lose, that means they're two and five. That division is just so weird to me. I mean, there's a world where the Juicers say, you know what? Fuck this. Like, my team just clearly is not ready to produce. And they sell, man. They have a fire sell. Uh, and the Aussies can win this division. And the Aussies. Not in a million years, in my opinion, would expect to make the playoffs above all, you know, of all things in, you know, in this league, especially with that roster currently. But I don't know what to think. I, I really, I really just don't. The, the juicers could easily lose because there's so many players that are questionable or on in questionable um, situations like Odell Beckham. He might play, but if he does, you know, you have Case Keenum at quarterback and, you know, Case Keenum is uh, he, he's a good backup but he's a backup for a reason. And Oda Beckham could easily just put up, a, you know, like two or three points instead of the projected 10, for example. And Antonio Gibson could easily be, you know, not in the game or in and out of the game and put up three points again like he did last week against Kansas City. So, man, I don't know what to think, but I really think the, uh, the Curb Stompers are looking at potentially their first dub. Yeah, I I agree. I I'm gonna give my vote of confidence to the curb stompers this week, just because I don't have any confidence that those three players that we mentioned are gonna play, or if they do, I don't know if any of them are gonna do well. All right, let's move on to our next matchup. We got the Aussies and the Raiders, as you previously said. So this game's not looking like it's gonna be too close. It's kind of a TBD on whether or not it will be uh, based on Jimmy Garoppolo's availability. Because right now, if Jimmy Garoppolo is unable to go this week, which it looks like he should be good to go, it's I'm not projecting him to not be good to go. But if he isn't, he the Aussies will not have a quarterback. And if he doesn't have a quarterback, it's that's game over. Lights out. Raiders win. But right now, the projection's really close, and uh, according to Sleeper, so I'm gonna give this win this week to the Raiders 
Uh, in a close one, though, the Aussies team has been looking better than it, uh, than earlier on in the season. They have a workhorse running back in playoff Lenny or uh, Thursday Night Football Lenny or, I don't know, just we'll just call him Leonard Fournette. He's been great the past three weeks, and I expect that dominance to continue as Ronald Jones is getting no touches, and Leonard Fournette's even getting the passing game touches. He had six receptions last week, which is absolutely huge. And the Aussies have a lot of actually kind of stud players. Or not I shouldn't call them studs, but they have a lot of players that put up some decent amount of points, like James Conner, Chase Edmonds, Alex Collins, Cooper Cup. They're putting up some solid some solid points. But the star power of the Raiders with Derrick Henry, with uh, Jamar Chase, with shoot Matt Stafford, guys like that. I just I think they're going to be able to overcome the Aussies kind of mix and match pretty good player here and there uh, approach that they've got going on right now. Uh, one guy that I'm kind of curious to watch just because he's I, I like these type of players. I like those gadgety type players. I don't love them for fantasy, but I like to root for him. Demetric Felton for the Aussies. He, it's no Chubb, no Hunt. Uh, they've just got Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton. So far this season, Demetric Felton has not really had any rush attempts, or actually he hasn't had any rush attempts at all. He's barely lined up as a running back at all. He could make his appearance as a running back here and there in this game just due to full necessity. Uh, I don't expect Dearness Johnson to get 100% of the workload at the running back position. I know they picked up John Kelly as well, but I have zero faith in that. I just want to see Demetric Felton. I want to get him, get him in on some touch passes or maybe a carry here and there as he did play running back in UC, at UCLA in college. So... Uh, thoughts on this matchup? Do you think the Aussies could overtake the Raiders, uh, or are you going to give them your vote there? Hmm. I have a hard time going with the Aussies, even though they do have some players that can just blow up, man. I mean, Cooper Cup, bro, twenty-nine points against the Giants, and then seventeen, or excuse me, twelve the previous week in Seattle. But he's had some blow-up weeks, man. Twenty-six, thirty-two, and twenty in weeks one, two, and three. You know, in reverse order. That that's just insane, bro. He's been going he's been going nuts. Look at that volume is insane. Ten plus targets every single game. But you know, he has some players that are could be potentially uh you know not starting. So like uh for example, Alex Collins. I think he's questionable still with that hip problem. And if you know if he plays, I think that I think the combination of Alex Collins, Cooper Cup. And some of these wild cards, like T.Y. Hilton, for example, if he can play, I think there's a chance. Unless Jimmy Garoppolo, like you said, doesn't start, then I think that just is a dagger to the heart of uh, the Aussies team. But I'm really looking for some of these players to step up. And one specifically, at least for the Aussies, is Johnny Smith, bro. Johnny Smith got a bunch of money to go to New England. And what does he have, what does he have to show for it? I mean, what kind of production are they really getting out of Johnny Smith? You know, uh, week five, week six, two targets each week. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? I mean, you pay this guy a bunch of money and he brought in Hunter Henry as well. And, you know, you kind of, you know, everyone was like, oh, it's the next coming of Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. You know, they have two really good tight ends, you know, whatever. Obviously, everyone knew that was kind of like a, a meme because these two tight ends are not the same caliber of tight end as Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. But it, it's only been the Hunter Henry show. It hasn't been the Johnny Smith show. Johnny Smith has been just non-existent. So I'm really looking for him to step up on this specific, uh, you know, roster here. But with the Richmond Raiders, first off, I want to apologize to the Richmond Raiders. Last week, I kind of put them on blast for Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs. And, you know, I they made me eat crow, bro. Uh, Henry Ruggs, I didn't realize how well he was really doing. He... He's doing well, bro. He's coming along really well as a wide receiver. And he's still just a little bit inconsistent for my taste. But he has the potential to have those blow-up weeks. So I'm going to just have to apologize straight up that Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs isn't a good duo and that you shouldn't be starting them and you should look to pivot if you have them. Because I think they kind of, I think they fit their roster really well. I don't think they have the consistent scores to compete with the high-end teams. So if you don't have the consistent scores, usually you go for the players that can just flat out win you weeks or have those blow up weeks and just really make it easier for your team to produce the points to win your matchup. And Henry Ruggs is that player. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to the Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs stack. Yeah, it's a fun stack for myself, uh, being the Raiders fan. I, I like Henry Ruggs as a Raider going forward. So, 
All right, let's move into our next matchup. Uh, this one we've kind of talked about throughout the show a little bit, but so I'll keep it kind of brief here. But we got the Prestige Worldwide versus the Chicago Southsiders. I love Chaos, and I would absolutely love if Prestige Worldwide beat Seb this week. I think it would be awesome. Uh, the Southsiders are rolling out Mike Davis as their RB1 and Reggie Bonifon as their RB2, a literal goose egg, uh, as his RB2 just due to the bye weeks. He's got Eckler and uh, Zeke both on bye this week. So he's struggling there. And he's also got, I believe, Khalif Raymond down there in his flex position. Not ideal. But on the other side, Prestige Worldwide is rolling out a lot of those types of guys too. He's got his Ross Dwelly starting and Kyle Rudolph. But... One thing I am looking at is Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson's getting the starting gig this week. I talked about Demetric Felton with the last matchup, uh, getting his opportunity. Dearness Johnson will be the starter for this team. The only time he's had double-digit carries is last season. He had 13 carries for 95 yards. He had a good outing. If he adds a touchdown to that, he's a solid, solid producer for your fantasy football team. And against the Broncos, I think he could be a solid producer. So... While I think there's a small shot, shot that the Prestige Worldwide could win this week, I don't think it's going to happen with the star power of the Southsiders. Uh, what do you think? Any chance? Uh, any Anything else besides Wentz uh, that you're looking for in Prestige this week? God, I am I really want to give Prestige Worldwide uh, a chance here, but I can't. The Chicago Southsiders are going to win this week. The Prestige Worldwide are not. And, man... I wish I could give more to them. I really do. But with Kasiki, I think Kasiki is actually a really good play this week. And Darren Waller, you know, Allen Robinson is questionable. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, I think he still has dealing with that ankle injury. So hopefully he's good to go. But, you know, he might even have a player. Never mind. He does not. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of people aren't starting Allen Robinson. But with the bye weeks, I think you're kind of forced to unless your roster is just really deep. But no. Jalen Hurts, man. I think Jalen Hurts is going to do really well. I think he's going to have to run a lot, and I think he's going to be a solid, you know, 20 to 25 point uh, play, while Jared Goff could just be a complete dumpster fire. So, yeah, I, Southsiders for sure in this matchup, but I would absolutely love if Prestige could beat him just for the weird playoff implications that could have. All right, let's move into our last matchup here, the matchup of the week. We got the Denver Sea Dogs versus the Washington War Machines. Right now, it's a close projection via sleeper, but that's with the War Machine still having LaVisca Chenault and Amari Cooper in a starting uh, lineup, and both those guys are on bye. The Sea Dogs have been dominant this season, but like we talked about earlier, their bye weeks and injury hell have just brutally murdered them this week. They actually, surprisingly, are going to start two QBs this week, despite both Josh Allen and Dak Prescott being on their buys. Uh, they managed to trade for Geno Smith and sign Case Keenum, so they do have their two starting quarterbacks, and they do still have Joe Mixon, Tyree Kill, and DeAndre Hopkins as like their stalwart type of guys. But they got a whole bunch of other just Jags playing all around them. Even I'm even going to call Kenny Galladay a Jag in fantasy football at this point. I mean, he really hasn't done enough to earn anything for this season. Um, I think the War Machines are going to take this matchup this week, which is going to feel really, really bad for the Sea Dogs this week. But like you said earlier, uh, going forward, I think this is going to be a good thing for him. And it, really, if he can pull off the win in this matchup, more power to him because that would be even better. Taking the win plus having the ability later on in the season to have less guys on by than the, whatever team he's playing in that in that matchup. But uh, I think this is going to be a really fun matchup this week. There's a reason it's the matchup of the week. It's going to be really interesting to see if the Sea Dogs can uh, push forward with all their buys and injuries. Do you, what do you think? Any chance for the Sea Dogs, or is this a War Machines flat out? I think there's a, a solid chance for the Sea Dogs, but I think the War Machines definitely have at least my vote of confidence. I still think the Washington War Machines are going to win, but I still think it's going to be close. What I'm really looking forward to is the tight ends, bro. The tight ends on the War Machines have just been a complete and utter disappointment, for the lack of a better word. Uh, Robert Tunyon, I mean, bro, I think that the last four weeks, he scored one or two fantasy points each week. He is just non-existent. He is not at all being involved in the offense. And I don't know what happened between 2020 and 2021, but it seems like it's just Devontae Adams or bust in uh, in Green Bay. And even with Tyler Higby, 
Tyler Higby once again. Really nothing special. I mean, really not what you want to see. <clears throat> Two targets, five, you know, three targets, four targets here. But the yardage is really low. So I really want to see if those tight ends can step up. Once he fills in some of his bye week players and, you know, kind of solidifies his roster with all of his starters, I still think the War Machines are going to not only have the higher projection, but also win the matchup overall, mostly because of the Jags that the Sea Dogs is playing with, you know, Gio Bernard, for example, Akins, Deshaun Jackson, Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, you're really hoping for a miracle by playing some of those players. And that's, you know, some of those players do offer miracle upside. Deshaun Jackson, all it takes is one catch for 80 yards and a TD, you know, or something crazy. So, but Geno Smith and Case Keenum are probably the most pedestrian options you could have a quarterback besides Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Ryan Tannehill oh. is like the king of just pedestrian. He is such a boring operator of the football and the offense. I mean, can you name another quarterback that's less enjoyable to watch than Ryan Tannehill right now? Uh, Nate Peterman. Uh, okay, starting quarterback. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Start, starting quarterback, uh, Baker Mayfield. Okay. All right. I You can make an argument there. Baker Mayfield has been a very boring quarterback to watch and he has not he has not performed as well overall uh, i agree with your point though 100 percent. ryan Tannehill's been boring so boring bro oh i could barely even watch that game uh, just just because of ryan Tannehill. but there's some fantasy implications here like you said if the sea dogs can squeak away with the dub man i mean they're just they're in a great situation if that's possible and the war machines are i mean you're panicking you're panic if, panicking if you lose. Yep, you need every win you can get if you're the War Machines at this point. All right, guys, that'll do it for the sixth episode of the Dynasty Optimist podcast. Uh, we hope to see you next week. Tune in to episode seven.